what percent of Americans believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Anybody care to throw out a number or two? 20%, okay. 8%. 40, okay. So I ran, I did some, when I was preparing for this, I did some internet research. And it's interesting, I couldn't find anything fairly recent. 2013 was the most recent poll I could find. And in 2013, the poll indicated that the percent of Americans believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead fell from 64% or fell from 75% to 64%. So from 2012 to 2013, it dropped 9%. Then it was at 64%. So let me ask you another question. How many Americans actually believe that the dead will rise again in a bodily resurrection? What do you think? 54%. Okay, 54%. All right. That survey realized overall 37% of Americans believe there will be a bodily resurrection of the dead. Huh? Now, this survey didn't say, the same, didn't say what year, but it was around the same time because all these were about the same time frame. And guess which group, which religious group, the resurrection of the dead was most popular with the highest number of percentage of that religious group believed in a resurrection of the dead? Anybody care to take a guess? Huh? No. Okay. Baptists were number two. Fundamental Baptists are number two. Mormons, 94% of Mormons believe in a resurrection from the dead and an afterlife. They're followed closely by fundamentalist Protestants at 86%. And so we're thinking about this, and I thought about, as we're looking at the church and some of the results of you know, what, what happened to bring the church about. Uh, this research was, of course, done in conjunction around Easter time and some things that I was doing then. And the idea is to talk about the results of the resurrection, but I thought it would just be good for us to just look at that a little bit tonight. It's always appropriate to think about the resurrection, be reminded of um, some of the results and realities and benefits that we see today as believers, as a result of the resurrection. So what's the resurrection chapter? 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 is writing a problem church. I mean, as you read through the book of 1 uh, Corinthians, I don't know a lot of ministerial students that would say, I want to pastor a church just like the church at Corinth. But Paul wrote to them. And he 
wrote to them about remembering the gospel message and the resurrection that is tied to that. And he summarizes this gospel message in verses 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says, For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Paul is reminding them of the reality of the fact, the base, the, the, the truthfulness of the resurrection. And in spite of that clear statement on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we read statistics like we read earlier, and even some from within what we would consider you know, religious and church-related circles. And we find even in the New Testament time, there were those who had doubts about the resurrection. Uh, on that first Easter morning, the women came to the tomb. What was their purpose? They came to see the resurrection? No, they came to anoint a body. They were not expecting a resurrection. The disciples, they weren't expecting a resurrection. In fact, um, they were, you know, hiding out in an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem in fear of the Jews. They were not expecting a resurrection. The Roman guards and Jewish religious leaders did not believe in a resurrection. And when they were faced with the reality, they had to make up lies and pay bribes to try to refute it. I mean, all they had to do was produce a body. But the resurrection really happened. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, or, or in John 20, 1 through 10, it talks about that, that time where that early morning where they went to the tomb in verse 10, it says that the disciples, after the death of Christ, they went back to their homes. They weren't expecting a resurrection. And we as New Testament believers, we understand that the resurrection is a reality, that it took place. We particularly celebrated at Easter, but... Really, the fact that we meet on Sunday is a constant reminder that the resurrection is a reality. And so I want us just to think together real quick tonight some of the results of the resurrection. What happened as a result of the resurrection? This list isn't exhaustive, but it just includes a few thoughts that uh, just to focus our attention a little bit on the resurrection, and then we're going to tie it into the church. We find that as a result of the resurrection, discouragement was transformed into determination. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. She was discouraged. She was depressed. Yet, by just one word, spoken by the Father, or by uh, the Lord Jesus, her tears 
were replaced by joy. She realized that the resurrection was a reality. The, the disciples were in the room fearing the Jews, and yet later in the book of Acts, we find them boldly proclaiming the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to those very Jews that at the end of the book of John they were fearful of. And so we see as a result of coming to grips with the reality of the resurrection, I mean, a transformation took place in the lives of people as they grasped that truth. And those who were discouraged were now determined to carry on and to carry out the gospel message. Another result of the resurrection was that the temporary was transformed into the permanence. Luke records the ascension of our Lord Jesus. Remember, they were standing there and the angel said, why are you standing here watching him ascend up into heaven? Basically, they were saying, you know, you were given a commission. You were given work to do. And then after the ascension, the next event we see is the coming of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth was from eternity past always planned to be a temporary ministry at that time. His earthly life was roughly about 33 and a half years. And when scripture makes it clear that at the appointed moment, the sacrifice was made. It was temporary. And yet we see on the day of Pentecost, we are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came and indwells every believer. Jesus taught that in John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. That's a reference to the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And we find that on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt believers and it was a permanent indwelling. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have the Holy Spirit. All of the Holy Spirit that you ever need. Now, you may not be as filled with the Spirit or as controlled with the Spirit. And that's, you know, another whole set of, of lessons to look at, but, but the Holy Spirit is a permanent indwelling in the church age versus a, a temporary 33-and-a-half-year life and about a three-and-a-half-year ministry of the Lord Jesus when He was physically here on earth. Another result of the resurrection is the inward being transformed into the outward. I mean, what about Peter as... He is confronted in his great vision concerning eating clean and unclean food. I mean, the Jews, even those who the early uh, disciples were trying to, had to get over the reality that this gospel was only just for the Jews. And God had to teach them, though it goes beyond that, that the Great Commission didn't say in Jerusalem and stop, or in Judea it stopped, it went further. And it's kind of God just had to kind of push them a little bit and, and get them going out there. And he started that with Peter and, and that great vision that he had that this is now all good for you to eat. And this is what we see in the Apostle Paul when 
in his ministry, yeah, he went to the Jewish synagogues, but then he also preached to the Gentiles. Now think of that great moment on Mars Hill as he's preaching to a great crowd of Greek philosophers presenting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it goes beyond the borders of God's chosen people, Israel. And I think later in his life, as he talks about it being spread throughout the household of Caesar as he was chained to the guards and, and as he had opportunities to testify, we see it going from inward with just being a, quote, Jewish thing to being something that truly was a message for the whole world. As a result of the resurrection, symbol is replaced by actual. I mean, think about the things that, that changed when Christ died on the cross. I mean, if we think about it, the day after Christ died on the cross, the sacrifices should have ceased. The writer to the Hebrews says that. That the, the, the blood of bulls and goats will never take away the sin of man. But there was one, referring to Jesus Christ, who laid down his life, who satisfied all of God's righteous demands, and he paid the price. And we don't need those earthly sacrifices anymore. Those priests' jobs were done because in the book of Hebrews we talk about how Christ was superior. And you can... Read through all of that in the book of Hebrews of how the Old, the Old Testament ways and the Old Testament rituals were no longer really valid because they had been replaced by the realities of what Christ did. The symbols were replaced by the actuality and the truths. And I mean, and a great illustration of that was the tearing of the, the temple curtain from top to bottom separating that area where even the priest could only go once a year if the, after they had sacrificed for their own sin into the Holy of Holies, and now that access was thrown open. And we have direct access to God because of what Jesus Christ did. In fact, I like the way the writers to the Hebrews puts it, every priest stands daily at his service, Offering repeatedly or continually the same sacrifices. I mean, let's face it, the job of an Old Testament priest was born. You did the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it was constant and it was never going to change because it was never really the solution. They offered repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. I love that. I mean, all of that permit, all of that temporary stuff was replaced now by the reality, the truth, the actuality. This is what this was telling them about. They should have understood, but they didn't. One more, and I, this one to me is a particular blessing, and it kind of fits with our theme 
of uh, our church for the year and, and the messages we've been having about the church. But as a result of the resurrection, the Old Testament tabernacle and temple have been replaced with the New Testament church. A building is replaced with a body. And that's a reality. I mean, the writer of Hebrews hints at this in Hebrews chapter 10. Just turn there a minute. It's a great chapter as he makes some of those uh, comparisons. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. You see those Old Testament symbols that he's bringing out to try to get them to see the truth. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, he's talking about the church, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of the spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. In verse 27, now you, and I can just see as this message goes out in a church of believers, and I'm going to pretend the preacher's from the south, he'd look at them and say, now all y'all, that, that's what this word means. It includes everyone who is a part of the church. Now all y'all are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the things that it accomplished. That is a result of the resurrection. As a result of the resurrection, all y'all are part of this church. All y'all are part of the body of Jesus Christ in the church age from, of course, the day of Pentecost until the any moment return. That could happen at any moment when he calls up his church. We're a part of that. So let me ask you this question. What would you look, would you say as a result of looking at your life as a result of the resurrection? I mean, there's a lot more truths that we could talk about. And there's a lot more things that we could look at. But hopefully tonight, if nothing else, we understand we can be privileged to be a part of a body of believers around the world. 
because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because we put our faith and trust in the reality of the resurrection and what it accomplished and what Christ accomplished through his death and burial and resurrection. And it's interesting when you look at the New Testament, that was the message for the new church. Let's talk about the results of the resurrection. The old things are passed away, all things are new. We're not under law, now we're under grace. And and this is not only for the Jews, it's for everyone. And each one of us here put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have a testimony that's tied to the resurrection. Are we telling others about it? Are we letting the world around us know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection has made a difference in our lives. And here's what that difference is. And that is our testimony to share. That's what we see in the New Testament as New Testament stories. People coming to grips with the reality of what Jesus Christ accomplished and the reality of the resurrection, changing a world for the glory of God. And so I just, I just want us to think about that tonight and think about as all these truths we know about the resurrection, let's not forget that the church is in existence today and, and can be in existence today because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just something to think about. And my challenge is go tell someone. That's what they didn't do. They just went and told someone.